you. What's going on? My name is Rich Ryan, bringing you a new episode of the Reinforced Running Podcast. Today, we have Hunter McIntyre. And in this episode, we do a lot of talking about the projection of where we see obstacle course racing, and not necessarily from like the contract standpoint and what's all going on in the world right now and in terms of uh, the support that we're getting, but how athletes can really pivot the, this opportunity into something bigger. And Hunter is really focused on doing that, and he, he's very passionate about growing this sport um, and kind of giving back. So we talk about OCR stars, talk some of the, about the, some of the challenges there. So it's a lot of like business talk in this one, but it's a great insight into a mind of a, a super strong competitor. He takes that same type of mindset that he has in competition and is moving it into more of that business space. So uh, I'm real excited to bring this to you. I loved having this conversation. It got me fired up. And I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised seeing Hunter McIntyre like on a stage doing some sort of uh, inspirational talk at some point in his life probably soon i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt if it's soon so this might be one of those it was great i loved it great conversation so i hope you enjoy hunter mcintyre all right dude so we're on um so they're busy i appreciate you taking time to come on um and i must say that, that you were probably the first ocr athlete to come on to my radar at all do, do you want to guess how i i first i first heard of you broken skull ranch Wadcast podcast. Really? Yeah. Like probably, I think it was the first time you were ever on. It was probably like, what then? 2015? When was That's the first time you went on there? I think it was 2014, dude. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, do you still go on there? Yeah, man. I'm having dinner with Eddie tonight. That's your, that's your boy? Yeah. I had Armin on the show one time and I was geeking out because that was like the first podcast I ever listened to was the Wadcast. Um, yeah. But but at that time, I was like, all right, this this guy in OCR, I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, I know I could definitely beat this dude. If I trained, I could beat this guy in, in OCR. And uh, then I got into it, and then the first time I came across you in person was in TMX in 2017, and I was like, oh, never mind. This guy's like really, really legit. And I'm, I'm kind of following – I think our workout styles kind of – uh, like are, are in line, like both like going to the gym and doing like the hybrid race stuff. But it kind of seems like now you're like kind of moving out of even like the hybrid racing space. Well, not, not like by choice, but it just seems like what's there left for you. So really my question is like, are you bored of the competition? I'm not bored with competition by any means. Like I think it's a huge part of me. Like yesterday we were throwing axes in the backyard and it, we were just throwing it at a target and I was like, all right, whatever. And then all of a sudden we bet 25 pull-ups on it. And like my brain immediately switched into a different gear and I started taking it really seriously. And I was just nailing the bulls. I was like, boom, I ended up losing, but it was like totally different. It was, it went from having fun to like fully activated, like every muscle fiber in my body was into it. So the thing is, is competition is a part of who I am, but like, I think the flavor of it is lost. It's, um, it is excitement in the way that I have done a lot and I'm looking for different reasons. Like if for some reason it's like, it's a couple options. Someone could put down $50,000 cash prize. I would go nuts. Someone who I haven't beat or just beat me, I would go nuts. Um, you know, if it's just like, you know, things like that, it needs to have that now. Um, like I don't really get that excited about Spartan races anymore because every time I went to a Spartan race, it would be myself, Atkins, John Alvin, Hobie, or Cody winning. And we would just keep on rotating 
in this circle. We were all right next to each other. And I was like, gosh. Um, and then when I, I kind of got over the long distance stuff, I was like, what's the point anymore? Then I went to TMX. That was super freaking exciting. And then it kind of went away. And now High Rocks, it's like I've done the eight laps and eight stations so many times. Um, and I've kind of beaten everybody. Like, I'm just like, what now? So I'm just kind of in this position where I'm like, what now? Um, the marathon I was really excited about, but I'm currently on a little bit of a hiatus of that. So is it is it about the unknown or is it about like, what is it for a competition for you that like drives you to want to push towards something? I'll put it to you this way. I bet you Tom Brady probably was more excited about going to the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers than he had been in probably the past like five to seven years because he had been playing for the same team. From what I understand, it seems like he kind of was a little bit mistreated by the the Patriot, um, you know, Patriots in the way that Belichick probably didn't value him and the Patriots didn't value him as much as he probably should have been. And then as soon as they fucked him over, he was like, I'm going straight to Tampa Bay and I'm going to annihilate the entire league. And he was like, it was the most high octane he probably been because he's won so many different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just a different experience. Like I have to, I have to have something different. Like this year for Spartan games, I'm when they announced that they're going to have the Spartan games back, I immediately was like, well, not that interested in doing high rocks world championships this year. I know I want to do this marathon, but I can put that back on the um, on the back burner for a little bit because the most important thing to me right now is destroying Ryan Atkins. I have I just talked to Ryan Atkins this morning, or maybe it was yesterday. No, it was this morning. He and I are still buddies, but he beat me at the Spartan Games last year. Every five, I'll literally show you on my desk. It says Ryan Atkins made you look stupid on a note pa- on uh, on a pink sheet right in front of me. I've had that since the Spartan Games, so last year. So. That's all I care about right now. So between like the, the Tom Brady example and the Spartan games example, is it like a chip on your shoulder or is it a matter of like conquering something that maybe people say you couldn't, or is it internal, like something that you need to kind of drive toward? I mean, it's something that I just need. I mean, it's not some people, people say I can't do it. Um, you know, so what, like, you know, people can say a lot of things, but it's up to me to prove them wrong. Uh, but this is just my own personal interest. Like the Spartan games, you know what? I don't care about the events. I don't care about the venue. I just care who's going to show up. Ryan Atkins. That's it. In reality, like, you know, the story of the Rubicon, uh, it was when Caesar went back across this river called the Rubicon and went into Rome with the army. Basically you're the, uh, you know, he knew back in the time of war, you could not be brought to court if you were on siege and you were on the attack in the Roman Empire. But if you came back from war, you immediately could be brought to trial for whatever the heck they wanted. He knew that he was going to be in big trouble when he came back. So he crossed the Rubicon, which was this tremendous excursion of crossing this river with his entire army and went back into Rome. It was something that was unprecedented, never been done before, was one of the most intense things that had ever been seen in Roman culture and in Roman history. And I think about that and like, those are the things that rev me up. I'm like, I'm going to do something that's never been seen before. I'm going to go back and stick it to the man. I'm going to like, those are the things that get me revved up. It's not the cash necessarily, even though I did mention earlier, if there's $50,000, that's something we haven't seen in a while. So it kind of gets me excited. Totally. But 
I just like the feeling of like having these truly epic experiences. And I don't think I'm, I have anything really epic going on in competition as of recent, not to say that I don't appreciate the competitors that I'm comp competing against, but I just want a little bit of spice and flavor again. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's, that's kind of what I, I meant. It's like, why would you do the high rocks world championship? It's like, like to me, it's, it's aspirational and inspirational to try to train with like you as the target, right? Like I want to, you, you help me elevate my game to, to the next level. Right. But like the rest of the competition isn't necessarily doing that for you right now in, the, in that arena. Right. So like, I, I, I understand why it's, why you would look for bigger and, and, like more exciting things but at the same time it's like the this kind of not necessarily niche but like the type of athlete you are like they don't exist that much so it's like there's not a ton of competition that's going to be out there just naturally it almost seems like like having to rely on something like spartan games which is just like out of the blue like maybe it happens they said it's going to happen maybe it does but like yeah. what do you think like does that make you feel like does it feel like you're in a, like a lull? Like do you go up and down when competition's not like right at the, like right at your fingertips or do you have to kind of seek it out or like kind of create it? You know what I mean? I mean, I think you have to create a storyline. I don't like, I don't allow like emotional lulls or energy lulls in my life. Like I'm always creating new things. I'm always, as soon as something like is done, I already have three things planned as soon as that day is over. You know what I mean? Like right after High Rocks was done, I was like, boom, marathon training. Um, and I just started surging hard on marathon. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, higher, like, you know, what am I trying to say? Um, Barton Games is coming up. Boom, I've got that. And then all of a sudden, OCR stars, I'm going to launch again. Boom. Like, I'm just never going to be the person that's sitting on a porch, you know, sipping on sweet tea, waiting for the sun to set. That's just not who I am. Um, so I create these reasons to be energetic about life. And honestly, like I don't allow other people to create the opportunities for me. I chase them or create them myself. Like last year, everything sucked. I was like, this is lame. I've got nothing to compete for. I've got nothing to be excited about. I'm going to create my own event. Boom. OCR stars. And that also happened. I was like, they took away my championships. They took away all races. I'm going to go chase down Murph. Boom. Like, so I just, do stuff like that. That's the way I keep myself energized. So if there's not a competitor, I just create a challenge. And like the hump of creating a, a digital race at that capacity, that was exhausting. But yeah. like when I'm done, I like beat my chest. I was like, Burr. so <laughs> did that, did that feel like it was um, like a challenge? Was that this, was that the same type of feeling? Cause I can't imagine what that would be like trying to launch something like that. Like, I was it the same like type now, of challenge? It was exhausting beyond belief, harder than any kind of training. I actually told my manager, Augie, and he reminded me of this just recently. I was like, dude, it's done. Like, I'm never doing OCR stars again. Like, this sucked. I was like, this is so, like, I, we were just getting berated with emails every single day. And then the judging team was just going through all of these shows. And then the people who weren't even near the top of the ladder were typically the people who were the meanest and the most like just... I remember this one woman, her name started with like a P. It was like almost like an Asian name. And, and she had sent us over a dozen emails asking about like how to handle logging in, 
um, like how to gain more information, um, like how to actually do this event. She just kept on going, 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 going. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, she was like, I just want my money back. I was like, woman, the amount of time that you've done, like spent attacking me and asking me questions that you literally could find, the amount of time you spent typing in the question, if you just looked at our website, it's all right there. I was like, you will never get your money back. Never. I was like, like these, I was like these were the kind of things that I experienced. Um, so there was that experience of the challenge. And then there was also competing in every single event. Like I did the mile, I did the, mm-hmm. you know, every single one I had to show up, film it, orchestrate it, then put it to the public. And I was crazy. Um, and we had very limited resources and it was all during like the super heat of COVID. So it was <laughs> yeah. super stressful. It was right in it. Uh, yeah. But I, I loved it. I loved it. Now that I'm on the other side, I was like, it was like after the first time I ever did World's Toughest Mudder, I was like, I'll never fucking do that again. Two weeks later, I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Type two fun for sure. But yeah. That, having people get those emails, you know, what I was thinking about le- recently is um, uh, Nathan, the, the Spartan Pro Team guy who, uh, I don't know, you, you might not even be on a team when he was even on it, but he must, his. I just talked to him yesterday. Oh yeah. His job must be terrible. He I must just. Saying, I was like, I feel so bad for you, man. I was like, you're a firewall between a bunch of grumpy little kids. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Art rates, and you just get laid into all the time. And I was like, I know 99.9% of this is not your fault. No. Um, and we just sort of sitting there. Do you should have seen it at the Spartan games? He was just like, he was like a pin cushion. Like anytime someone was upset, they're like, <laughs> Nathan, girls were crying, guys were fighting. Oh, he was. His job was, especially when this stuff comes out, because yeah, he, he's not a decision maker on this. He's, I mean, maybe he's, he's probably in the room, but he has to deliver the message. But it just reminds me of the same thing of like, getting hit with these emails of stuff that like, you just can't deal with. Like if you figure out the like, Google it, Google how to do it. It's like, okay, you, like find a track, just figure out how to do it, figure out how to measure the thing. Um, what was like the one thing, like the most challenging thing that you didn't anticipate with OCR stars? I would just say the amount of information. I mean, I will, number one is cost. Hmm. I, uh, as I was explaining to you earlier, so let's just say I'm not going to get in super into details because um, there's certain people that want to nail me on the cross last year because they're like, you're just going to become rich off this. You just want to make money off of all of us, you asshole. I could name their names, but I'd probably get in trouble for saying it. Um, we can edit. If something slips, editing no, is a bit. I don't really care. But there were some pros in the business where I reached out to everybody. I was like, guys, I'm trying to do something and trying to really support from a financial standpoint and also an industry standpoint of giving everybody an opportunity to do something when there is nothing to do. I want to keep the momentum of sport going. We had great partners like OCRWC. We had great sponsors. Like there were people who were players in the game who were help supporting us, but then there was naysayers that were just throwing rocks. Those people sucked. And also just there's like, I talked to Joe DeSena a lot because he and I have been friends since the very beginning of my career. And I got to go live at his house and we've just kept in good connections. And I remember for a while I became spiteful towards him because I was like, man, this dude's making all this money. And all I do is just run around as his poster boy and I don't get paid enough, blah, blah, blah. And then I put on my own events and I was like, dude, this is such like a, a, like a yuppie event compared to what he does. The amount of costs that I'm incurring right now, like I was just explaining to you just to integrate the back end of having t-shirts being sold at the same time is like within the same click purchase as your actual ticket for the event. So sign up for events and buy a t-shirt in the same moment, dude, $1,500. 
Um, just backend website stuff, just adding things to the website, like features like that map. Like there were just so many different things. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And I, I typically, when I, the way I run businesses is, and I'm an idea man, I'm a flow man. I hop on phone calls with people like you who are in the media of sports. Then I hop on with people who are orchestrating the sports like Adrian from OCRWC. Then I hop on the people who are owning athletic brewing to get them involved. I hop on the call with all the athletes to see how I can support them to get in. I'm not the person creating the connections and doing all the work that backloads these conversations. So like just orchestrating all of that and the expense wise, I was like, wow. Um, year two, I think it's going to be a lot easier because the railroad tracks have been set in place for mm-hmm. all the way up until this point. So now all I have to do is kind of just flip on a switch, but the costs are still going to be there. Um, I cannot promise this and I'll announce it here. And maybe you might need to scrape this from the thing, but our goal this year as a company is we're going to give away a car to one of the people who are signing up. I'm talking to dealerships right now and I'm talking to uh, trying to get on with some of the bigger executives with some of the car industry companies, because I always thought it'd be so cool as an athlete being able to compete or get involved and be able to like win my dream of having a car, um, be a part of like what I earned that year. Because like, you know what, like the coolest thing about going to these races is like the places that they are and the journey to get to them. Cause like, imagine Tahoe, um, Telluride this year, uh, Palmerton, um, down in some of the cooler places in Florida, all over Texas. Like you need a pretty badass vehicle to take all your cool gear to get to the places you train, the places you compete. Um, no offense to Harley Davidson. I think that synchronicity of attaching a motorized vehicle to a brand of Barton racing, it'd be kind of challenging to take a Harley Davidson to a lot of the places that you go oh. to a competition. That was a strange and partnership. Have, yeah. What's that? That was a strange partnership. I love Harley Davidson's. I have, I hold nothing against them for making the partnership. I think there's value to it, but I think about it from the standpoint of what I always dreamed of and what I would always dream to give to the people of this industry that I was kind of raised in. I'm going to give away a fucking car. So I love that, man. And it's just like, like I can't promise that. I'm just putting it into works now. The cool car that I want to give away is going to cost a shit ton of money. I got to get the paper and the account so I can give it to you guys. So when coming up with, like you said, like being the idea guy, right? And like you can tell like there's a lot of energy coming your way and a lot of things and like a lot of thoughts and a lot of things that are going to help push the sport forward. And that's, and it's strange, right? Like people are going to kind of naysay or I always, that drives me crazy when people start talking about people who don't have uh, any idea how to do business in general who maybe like work for a business have a job and then they look at like spartans like and they just start counting up the registrations and how much money it costs like all oh, these people are raking in money when they have actually zero idea how anything works so like i'm, I'm with you on that when people start saying it's like like don't even like start to, to even try to understand what what, what this costs because it's it's not it's not what you think but on on, on your end when you are going through all this and you need to bring these things to life. Uh, uh, and I've, I, I deal with this sometimes. And it's hard for me to uh, really catch everything and grab everything. Like, is it a challenge for you to like organize your thoughts and then like take those thoughts and then like put it into like planning? I mean, if you follow me anywhere, I have notepads in my backpack, my pockets, anywhere. Like, I think one thing that I learned at the, um, 
not a young age it at an age that was at least still valuable to me uh, around probably around 25, I started writing down lists of everything that was going on and I split the paper in half and I have my A priorities and my B priorities. And to a person that was not inside my brain, they probably would never understand how these things are going to happen throughout the day and why they hold purpose. Mm -hmm. um, that's really important. I would say like one of the most valuable things that I have done is I align myself with people that truly take care of me and understand me as a person. I've been with my same manager um, working. He helped me out modeling when I was younger and now he helps me out now. He knew I was going to be a terrible model when I was younger because I was, <laughs> I didn't care about it. Like it was the idea of being a model rather than the action of being a model. And he always would kind of lean on that. And he knew that I was a hot mess, but he knew when I was, we always stayed friends. And when, as I started to really succeed as an athlete, he came in and he started to oversee that and knew that that was much more of my mental space and physical space as a person that was going to be my truest trajectory for success augie has been like my number one support um callie i know i'm sure you've met callie along the way Callie's my like i guess you could call it executive assistant i don't know when you become an executive uh in the assistant position but she has been somebody who's been on the company for just two months now and i've had multiple people in that position um, she's truly so put together that I will like call her when I'm on a bike ride. I'm like, I need you to do a, B and C and she'll get it done. And she creates the spreadsheet and then she makes the connections and she does everything. And her position is so valuable because you have to understand, here's my thoughts. Here are the three things that are going to feed that thought. And then here are the three things that are going to make sure that that thought doesn't fall apart. And I'm not going to do those three things. I'm just the thought man. Yeah. And, and being able to let go of that is really important. And I've certainly fought with a lot of people that I've worked with because I'm so, I'm so commanding and dominant about the way I perceive everything in life. Like I treat business just like I do competition. Um, I want things to be done fast and I don't want them to be done this way. And I want them to be done successfully because if they don't like I'm a loser. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but you have to learn how to delegate, separate and be calm. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but these are some of the things that are going through my head and have allowed me to have a lot more success, uh, as I've kind of grown. Delegation has to be huge. And, and, and Kelly seems like a match made in heaven, right? Like she's so bright and seems like on the opposite end of the organization spectrums. Like, so you guys, you two together must just be like the, the perfect matchup. Did you need to like work your, like, cause delegating is a struggle on my end where I'm like. I don't know if it's just a matter of letting go of control or just not necessarily the trust. It might be the trust part, right? Did you, were you able to just kind of dump it right out? It's like, I need to have other people doing some of the stuff because if it's, if it's me, uh, it might just be overwhelming. I might not get done. Or how, when did you learn to kind of delegate stuff? Probably only in this last year, man, because privately I've only really owned my house training business since March. I started it with Benny about in 2018 and we were doing it on a personal training level one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing a great job at being able to care for the clients and work with him in the capacity of sending out the training and, and making sure that all like the little FAQs that he was handling, I wasn't doing a great job. So I shut it down. Then we picked it back up again and I'll admit like I wanted things done in a certain way. And it was almost like trying to like if I asked, if you asked me to move a boulder up a hill, it'd be very simple for me because it's just one object and I just have to apply myself to it. A business is almost like moving the same amount of weight, but in pebbles. 
Like it's so hard. There's so many little pieces. It's still the amount of weight, but there's all these little pieces that come together to make that thing actually move forward. And you just pushing into it, some of it's going to fall apart to the side. But imagine if you had this great team and everybody was working together and helping move that mass. I, who have always approached sports in a singular way as an individual athlete, move the boulder. But as a business person, you need to be able to create this team that surrounds you and be able to share the workload because it's a very different way of getting things done. Um, and I'll admit, like the delegation thing, I'm not a perfect boss by any means. I'm getting better every single day. Uh, but I mean, listen, it's probably only year one, year two, and I'll probably be doing stuff like this till the day I die. Did you make up that pebbles analogy or did you read that somewhere? That's pretty strong. I just made it up. Just right now? 100%. Just came <laughs> you got to write that down. Where's your note? Get the notebook. Write that shit down. <laughs> God damn it. Well, give me some money. <laughs> that, was, that was rock solid. Um, and like this makes sense then, right? Because now that you're building this, this, this team and learning the delegation piece, it, it's probably going to make the OCR stars a little bit more manageable because that's still going to be now that you have a year under your belt. To of like of like you said those railroad tracks that now you could just at least like troubleshoot a little bit or foresee some of the problems that might pop up. Were you always going to do it this year, or or when did you decide to do it again? Because I wasn't sure. Because then, especially, it seemed like it was a nightmare because it just seemed hard, you know, out of nowhere. And then it probably going to be freaking hard again. Oh, I don't yeah. think anything that's easy is 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 exciting, at least in my mindset. Um, the thing is, is I probably didn't know until about three or four months ago that this was a potential. Mm. I was like, I think maybe we should do OCR stars. That was maybe that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about it, we bounce around people are like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, yeah, but it was crazy. Like, oh my God, remember this, that, and the other thing? I'm like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> so like that went around a lot. And then all of a sudden, um, when things started to, I probably in about two months ago, maybe a month ago, in between that, I was just like, you know what? I've been like sitting, I sat and wait for a while, kind of quietly, just kind of allowing my thoughts to collect and to watch the space around me kind of move, watch one business grow, watch this um, business ebb and flow, watch the, what's going on with the industry because of COVID and everything. And I was sitting quietly. And then all of a sudden I was like, fuck it, we can do it. Um, so the conversation really started this last month and I started to slowly reach out to people and be like, Hey, it's going to happen again. Hey, it's going to happen again. And now I'm being public about it. Um, only reason why I haven't been like super surging about it is because the dates are tentative between the months of, you know, mid late October into uh, November starts. Um, and there's a couple pieces that I just don't want to butt heads with important other races or experiences that I have going on. Um, I know that yeah. you can't like you know, if, if high rocks holds an event, Decafit holds it the same day. Like that's just kind of the industry standard. Um, but just for my own personal things, like I know I have the marathon coming up that I'm interested in. I know Spartan games is coming up and I'd rather not like, you know, have one ass and ride three horses. Yeah. And that's what was nice about last. Year. That was another reason why I wasn't sure if it was going to come back because like there was nothing to do last year. Right. And then it was just, that was the event. And now there are several events and that's and in the fall in particular, there's like a lot of stuff, but it's an, if it's an event you can do on your own, like you can just make it work and, and make it fit. 
Um, so I'm happy you're bringing it back, man. I loved it. I, I was a big advocate. And I think it's a good way. Like, this is one thing I, I think about with the hybrid racing stuff. I'd like to get your, your, your take on this too. Um, like trying to get that into more of the mainstream, it's going to be hard. And we were talking about this a little bit off air, like the, the amount of reach that both DecaFit and high rocks have is like limited. It's small. Like it's a weird concept almost. It's not really CrossFit. It's not really running. But like both of those like areas can definitely like train for a hybrid race and see benefit from it. Like I don't think it's it's a, an event that isn't that is. I think a lot of people could get into it, but it's just like the matter of getting people into it. But I think something like OCR Stars, where you could kind of reach out to gyms or you can get gyms on board and it kind of be their introduction into even hybrid racing. I think it'll be really really good for like high rocks if like this can connect with people inside of gyms. To, to make it like to, to create awareness around OCR and just hybrid racing in general. Like, I think it's going to be great for that. Um, what do you think? What do you think hybrid racing needs to do? And that's the term I'm using. Have you been using that term hybrid racing? Are you went on this? I call, I call it fitness racing. Um, because oh, like, yeah. you know, like hybrid racing, fitness racing. Only reason why I use fitness racing is because the sport of fitness is CrossFit. And what the difference is between us is we're actually, applying the action of a race, which I consider to be running and fitness together. Um, not trying to say that your version is better or mine version is better by any means. I didn't means. make it up. I'm just saying yeah. stuff. I'm just trying I've to racing, standardize. Fitness racing. I think the thing that really needs to happen is, is like, I told this to High Rocks from the start. I was like, you guys need to scrap everything that you're doing with your marketing and you need to start a new slate and then we're going to build from there. They're German. They didn't want to listen. Um, Here's the thing about high rocks, the way I explain it to people, because I have to explain it all the time. They're like, wait, what are you doing this weekend? I was like, it's basically a fitness racing event where they took all of the major league sports and Olympic sports in the world and are adding those test capacities in a series of eight stations and eight laps to find out who the fittest person in the world is. So you have the sport of Nordic skiing, which is in the Olympics. That's station number one. Then you have the sled push, which is like power sport, bobsled, rugby, football, Ball, whatever it yeah. is. Sled pull, another power sport, just like, you know, wrestling, rowing, any of these kind of things. The next station, burpee broad jump. That's just a, a basically a test of fitness of you moving your body through time and space is a gymnastic movement. Next is rowing, Olympic rowing. Next is the farmer carry. This is a test capacity of strongman. And I just wanted them to write this script of them being able to show the most complete human across all sports that are widely known in the world. Hmm. And I was like, start from there. Because if I, if you go sit down with them. Like, what is high rocks? They're like, it is, it is fitness. It's this, uh, you know, I'm like, no, nope guys. Like no offense to them. I think they build a great product, but that's what really needs to happen in our sports is there needs to be a better understanding of what it is. And then a better understanding of highlighting why it's such an incredible capacity and such an incredible event. You need to tell a story. You right. need to tell a fucking story. That's why, that's why CrossFit has like, literally, we aren't even, aren't even like a speck of dirt within the shadow of what CrossFit is because no. CrossFit started their business of the fittest on earth. That's a great storyline right there. Boom. Fittest on earth. What does that mean? Well, we're taking, you know, and then they, they created all this like, you know, marketing verses underneath it. It's like, you know, high intensity, constantly varied movements. Okay. What does that mean? It's like, well, we take this, you know, these 10 facets of unknown fitness. and unknowable. 
Yeah. And then we tackle them in a way that's unknown and unknowable. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's a story right there. Okay. What does that look like? Well, you know what? We have an event every single year called the CrossFit Games. And we have a documentary that comes out every single year afterwards if you missed it. Boom. Sell tickets, sell like, you know, sell it online to Netflix. You've now created a massive business with a great viewership. What has OCR done? I can't even say 10% of that. Yeah, it's 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 polarizing, right? Like the fittest on earth, like it's it's debatable even, right? And so every other outside like would want to put eyeballs on it to see like what it is. It's like, how could you claim something's the someone could be the fittest on earth? So it's like you know, people have strong opinions on CrossFit inside and outside of the sport. OCR, you're right, right? Like I, it's hard to even tell. I even think that's been hard to explain to people like obstacle course racing. It's like, there's some awareness around it. It's like, you know, I took mud or mud run Spartan race. It's a thing. Everyone's um, heard of it. And they're like, wait a second. That's a professional sport. And I'm like, yeah, I've said that so many I times. I literally have, I work my ass off to the point now where I can fly first class because I often fly across the country, if not out of the, out of the country around the world. I buy myself a nice ticket so I can enjoy myself and come up fresh and feeling good for, uh, you know, good for my race. I'll sit down next to somebody and I'll start talking to them. And they're like, I'm like, what do you do? And like, you know, they're like, oh, uh, you know, I work in a hedge fund. I was talking to this girl who was riding with me to from L.A., from her home in L.A. to Chicago for a business meeting for the hedge fund that she worked for. And then all of a sudden I told her what I did. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, God damn it. I was like, I paid for this ticket the same way that you did. It's a profession. They probably paid for it. Do you know when you Google your name, you come up as an actor? They have it underneath. It says Hunter McIntyre, actor. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, it probably is an easier way to say what I do because I've been on television um, a bunch of times, but I don't consider myself an actor, but nah. I'll take that title. You're, you're, do you have IMDb credits? Are you on IMDb? I have no clue. We should search that. I have SAG, I guess, from Million Dollar Mile. Um, I don't know about IMDb. I think that stuff kind of comes into play when you're actually like a, a cast, a cast member. Like every single show that I've ever done, other than Boundless, has been from a reality TV standpoint. And I think those are all falling underneath a different category within uh, television. So you don't get those like you know special uh, accreditations. Yeah, we need to get you in an acting role. Being I would love playing. it, dude. If you, if I wanted to like play Hulk Hogan or you know oh. big famous wrestlers, I could literally bulk up and I could make The Rock look like a peanut, dude. I'd be freaking twice his size and look way better doing it. You think but, you could swap it and go like dramatic role, go like the soft side, like opposite way. I don't know, man. I mean, that's the difference between being somebody who is like, uh, what is that called? Like typecasted. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a typecast kind of person. You could probably put me in five to 10 different movies as a similar type character. I don't think if I ever got in that position that I'd want to swing towards being dramatic, exciting, drama, comedy. I just don't think I'd want to mix all around. That's why people who win Academy Awards are incredible actors. They can do it all. It could be that challenge that you've been looking for. You know, the marathon, if you're not healthy, go for dramatic acting. That's you true. Got, you got something I will there. Get- I will give, we'll give people this. I know we're a little off topic, but you should go listen to the book Green Lights. I think it's better to listen to it than read it because Matthew McConaughey actually reads the book. Oh, yeah. Um, honestly, I, I wanted to not like Matthew McConaughey because he's like handsome and successful. And I was like, this guy's just like a cheese ball. And he just, 
Now he's going to write a book and people are going to buy it. And it's probably not that great. His story is so great. And not only he like, he became, he had this opportunity where he was basically living in like, you know, the life of luxury and the Mykonos and the perfect waters that are like, you know, 80 degrees with perfect sun. And he decided to go to Alaska and like swim up river, basically like do the most challenging thing you could do in that role. Cause he was getting all these roles as like, you know, romantic comedies getting paid tens of millions of dollars. And then he changed it all to go, go after a role like Dallas buyers club. And like, that was the kind of thing when I was listening to that, I was like, man, I've been in this position where I've been doing rom-coms and I get paid well, and it's a good position for me and everything. But I, I kind of want to almost put my hand on that hot plate again and feel that burn and intensity and, and being scared and challenged again. So when I was listening to that, I was like, it inspired me a ton during COVID to do things that um, I initially wouldn't have probably done if it wasn't for that book. It's like being in that position of comfort, right? It was working for him. Like, why would he change that, right? He probably had everything that he needed. It has to take a leap. I mean, probably helpful when you're financially secure to do it, but still when you're in that public eye, it has to be such a risk to be able to kind of go out and, and make those moves. You could probably play McConaughey in like a biopic or something. Put me in, dude. I think you're in Put there. In. So in, in terms of being a professional obstacle course racer, um, it's kind of becoming clear that that, it might not be uh, the most viable option, at least for now, maybe down the road, there are like things will like the sport will grab the public's attention and will kind of display value for people. And, you know, then the advertisers will come in this and that, whatever. Like I think Spartan put the cart in front of the horse a little bit on that end. And now they're kind of backtracking and now our buddy Nathan's getting all this shit for it, but there is still a route for people to you like, to make a profession out of that, whether it's like myself, like going the coaching route or doing something like what you're doing and kind of like bringing the community together with things like OCR stars. So like, where do you think the sport is going for people who want to like elevate the sport to the next level? Like, do you think it's a viable option for the sport to like live on? Like, where do you think this, everything goes? I think people need to become independent. Um, like I'll give you an example think about Nick Simmons, the 800 meter runner guy. Yeah. Never. He was one of those people that started to go against the grain a little bit. And he wanted to break of the structure that was kind of created and limited, like limiting him because he was such a talented person, but he was never going to make major money. I remember that one time that he sold like a advertisement on his shoulder or something like that for a ridiculous amount of money. And he was like, you know what? Like I'm kind of trapped in this, in this like box that they put me in because this is the sport that I live in. But then he, all of a sudden he decided to get out of that box, still live within the space, but at the same time, not be kind of shackled down to the, the limited opportunities that the space was giving him. And I think it's time for people to start to look at the opportunities that are around them and start to maximize on them. Like what I kind of did, I think somebody like, Ryan and Lindsay could start a small business. Um, everybody's kind of going towards coaching and that's still an awesome opportunity if that's something you're passionate about. But I think some of these people could create amazing opportunities for themselves because I think about it like this. Imagine if you're a really, really successful athlete and you have five sponsors and each one of them is paying you $1,000 to $5,000 a month. That's pretty good income. But then you think about it 
they're going to come and go. And at the end of your career, they're all going to be gone. And most likely, unless you start to like, you know, get hired into the company, but unless you saved really well, you're kind of in a tough position. But if you're going to continue in this space where you're going to be an athlete, you should create something that can go coincide and grow with your career as it goes on. Like if I had started, you know, house training or my supplement company about five years ago, I can only imagine the size that it would be right now. <laughs> and the thing is, is like the, the, the world that we're in right now is so simple to create a small business and just get going with it that you never have to do almost anything. I'm selling these t-shirts, um, these t-shirts, you know, with, let's say bulk pony racing. I never touch the t-shirts. I go in, I contact the guy who's the shirt provider. I give him the design. I then pre-sell it. And then I send him a list of all the people that have, uh, that have bought it. Boom. And then ship it out. I never see it once the money comes in a month later, I create another limited edition shirt. Even though that's kind of like, it's not a ton of money, but that's my one sponsor that just replaced my apparel sponsor. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you put the work in, I'll admit starting up the supplement company absolutely sucked. I started and I was testing the flavors, the company that was providing it. I'm not going to name their name, but they did a very, very poor job of getting me the product. And then always were losing my emails or information <laughs> about my product and everything got prolonged, prolonged, prolonged. I started paying them in November of last year. I got my, my first supplement in May this year. It took forever, but now it's finally here. Boom. I've got this business. It's viable. It's starting. And I'm not trying to just talk about myself and the shit that I've done, but I'm just trying to make everybody aware of, look at all these opportunities you have, you know? Yeah. It's like talking about, it's like diversification essentially, right? Like yeah. not being so single track and being able to spread out and have multiple income streams. Like I said, the t-shirt one, like, yeah, you're not gonna, like, it's not gonna facilitate a lifestyle, but like it's something. And but it's, it will it maybe pay rent. It will maybe pay a mortgage, yeah. it will maybe pay a car bill. And I always talk to people and like, you know, one of my friends just reached out to me yesterday. He's like, dude, I want your help. Like, could you mind telling me just how to go about the sponsorship route? I'm certainly going to tell him everything I know and give him the best opportunities possible. But I think a lot of people who have been in this space for a long time and now are starting to kind of get this like kind of back up against the wall kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, like now one of the most major sponsors in the sport is pulling out and no longer supporting us financially. You need, you can still race professionally, but I just think you need to start to create opportunities. that are going to keep you secure in that space. Um, and I think it's going to be like, that's going to empower the sport more. It's going to bring more funding into the sport. It's going to give more opportunities to athletes. Um, I just think that that's where everybody needs to go for right now. And somebody like myself with OCR stars, I hope with everything in my, my soul that I'm able to all of a sudden increase and elevate the sport. And I hope that all of a sudden my level of competition is going to make Spartan want to double down and increase their stuff. And then tough mutter is going to want to level up and, you know, bone frog, all these companies are going to want to level up because that's just rising tides, raise all ships type thing. And that's the idea behind competition, right? It's the whole like capitalistic idea. It's just like have competition raise every, all the tides. So I think that like I'm on board for that. Right. And I love the idea of more competition coming in and I love OCR stars. I'm real, I'm real pumped for it. And like the one thing you're talking about a lot is taking action on things. This is, this is, this is great. This is, this is what we're, this is what they came for. The sun's just starting to really hit this certain angle in my room where it starts to heat up. I'm not trying to get naked to turn you on. It's more to cool me off. 
That's fine. Win-win. The um, I get like pit sweats real bad. Will you get that with this? Yeah. So what do you think stops people from taking action on this type of stuff? I think there's a lot of fear behind it. Yeah. There's a lot of fear behind it because the fear of failure is something that is real. Like, I think it's the same reason why I know so many people that train year round and go to very few races. One of my closest friends basically had been like training for almost like a year or two and was like, man, I'm going to get into the series. Like net, like in, in like six more months, I'll, I'll be ready. Or like next year I'll be ready and I'll come back. And I'll be like, I was like, dude, in reality, sometimes you just need to get in the whitewash and just experience that turbulent, scary shit. And then you need to rise above it and conquer that space. Like getting the perfect boat, the perfect paddle stroke, the perfect life fest, all these kind of things, and just sitting on the beach all the time, just looking at the rapids, being like, one of these days I'm going in, one of these days. That shit, even though training and focus and a plan is important, sometimes it's better to just get slapped in the face, feel the burn, and then just keep on churning with it. So I think people need to embrace that fear, embrace that challenge. And failure is part of everything. I may fail on all of my businesses this year. I may offer everybody a car this year and get such little signups that I have to pay out of pocket entirely for a car for somebody. That may suck, but immediately saying it and putting this fucking pin up on the wall that's so high up there, it's going to make me work for it. And you know what? Hopefully I rise to the occasion and hopefully anybody who's listening to this, hears what I'm saying and is like, fuck yeah, I'll do the same shit. Cause that's the thing. It's like, so it's the same thing. It's like the McConaughey thing again, where it's, it's real easy to stay comfortable and, you know, and like live a life of inaction, which I'd been there for a long time. Right. So like I, many more, it's kind of like what you say, like just kind of start. And if it sucks, I'm like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And nothing happens. You know, nothing happens after that. It's like, okay, I just won't do that anymore. And then we'll just kind of move on. So do you, do you, do you battle with this anymore? Have you just been working this way of just being so focused on action over and over that you don't necessarily get stifled by something? Or is there something that does come up that ends up looking like too scary or that does stifle you down that you have to kind of overcome? Oh, it's entirely scary. I'll just give you the example for the supplement business. I'm like, I had to invest money in, I had to set up the LLC, I had to buy the insurance, I had to buy the supplements, I had to have them shipped here. Like it's all these costs, 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 costs. And I haven't still taken a dollar in. Now, all of a sudden, while this is all happening, I'm getting calls from companies that are like, hey, Hunter, we'd love to work with you. We want to sign you for X. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, if I start this thing, I'm turning down this deal. And I'm like, okay, guys, honestly, I love the opportunity. I think your product's amazing. I want you guys to have the most success. But honestly, I just took a dive off the diving board and I'm starting my own thing. Talk to you guys later. Boom, click. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, did I just really make that? Did I really just reject that deal? Like, that's a big company. That's a big paycheck. Ugh. And you know what? I still haven't even sold my first fucking bottle. Right? <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing, man. It's like absolutely terrifying because not only are you rejecting money that could potentially come in and go into your bank account, you're spending money. So you're double deep a hole. Mm. And like, that's the thing, man. And like, that's, that's the reality. I'm just like getting in that whitewater and like, shit, it's going to be scary for a while. And then all of a sudden, you, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're out of it and you're surfing on top of it. And now you're winning that space. You're owning that space. And I can't say that I've done it with that, but I already got out of the, you know, out of the whitewash and I'm on top with house. And you know what? I kind of just got out of the whitewash and I'm on top of those CR stars. I can't promise it's going to stay up there. I might sink down again, but 
I mean, listen, I'm in a space now that I've trained myself to be okay with that heat. And I have that anxiety that comes up to the surface, but that anxiety, um, I'm not saying I'm an anxious person. It's just natural anxiety, just like anything. That anxiety is what's going to give you the fear, which is going to give you the focus. Um, and like, you should basically take that fear and then all of a sudden the heat of the sun and the pressure of it and put a magnifying glass to that thing, dodge out of the way and just allow that penetration of that heat to be ultra focused towards something great. And um, I know I'm giving a lot of analogies and stuff, but that's the way my brain works. I'm like, you bring them it. down. They're good. Yeah. I'm just I'd be like, but that's the way my brain works. I have to always keep on being like, okay, I'm under this pressure. How can I twist it, turn it and make it something better? Um, and I'm sure so many people have been there. Uh, like, dude, I bought a house this year. That was a bunch of money out of pocket. And I was like, I've got all these dreams and goals with it. These past couple months and just this last week, I was just fixing, 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 fixing the house so that I could um, turn it into an Airbnb. And I was like, man, is this really going to work? I turned on the Airbnb, boom, two bookings. And I was like, damn, it was worth it. So sometimes you just have to accept that pressure. And then all of a sudden, once you get that breath of fresh air, it's real sweet. Yeah, man. I love it. And like, it's just, you're just a man of action. And like, you know, it's, I, I appreciate that with you. What's up with the supplement company? I didn't know this about the supplement stuff. I'll go get it real quick. Hold on. Yeah, get that. Let me see it. Here you go. Um, so our company is called Builder, B-L-D-R, and our motto is Building Better Athletes. And uh, this is our first supplement called Hydro. It's basically a hydration-based amino drink um, mm. with uh, electrolyte, uh, electrolyte complex. And basically, my goal was is I learned a couple of years ago through working with Charles Poliquin um, since he's passed. Uh, that he was having his athletes do super high doses of amino acids. It was able to create a massive response in muscle growth and also create less gut distress. Or if, if I was going to give you four scoops of this a day, which I often do compared to having four scoops of protein powder, the amount of gut distress you'll get from protein powder and muscle recovery, let's say they're one-to-one. -one. I don't have the exact science to say which one is exactly going to give you the better muscle response, but this will give you less. You can put it in your water bottle. Um, amino acids have created great responses towards endurance and endurance sports. Mm -hmm. um, as far as recovery, it's a massive part of what I do. Um, it's more of a product for an athlete that is that hybrid uh, fitness athlete, like a CrossFit athlete, high rocks athlete, or an endurance athlete that is doing like, you know, especially for my running dude, like I'm staying over 200 pounds and I'm drinking this in my hydration drinks all the time. I still need to have carbohydrates because carbohydrates are what you, your muscles use to create energy, but at the same time from response of recovery and having hydration and making sure that my muscle mass stays there, which is my ultimate goal as an athlete and a physique, um, I've got it on lockdown. That's one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, because as I said before, like I want to level up my training. So I need to get bigger, right? I'm in a bulking phase right now. I actually just grab some aminos myself. For the same reason because my protein's all jacked up and essentially it's what aminos are right like it's just like protein broken down so like then yep. you get the, the amino acids right so it's just kind of like taking that that process out of it and making sure your muscles still get those uh, amino acids to rebuild so i have been thinking about that quite a bit lately and trying to like how to get bigger while doing endurance and like yeah like and not like and like trying to balance both things which you have done right like 
I'll give you my quick one-on-one equation on this. Um, I'll be, I'm going to give you a disclaimer in seven minutes or six minutes. I have to go, uh, but I want to give you guys the fullest um, understanding of why I'm presenting this product as an athlete, whether you're the bottom of the totem pole or the tip of the tip of the spear, basically your goal is to train, recover, improve, train, recover, improve. Now you have to have a goal and then you have to create a stimulus and then you're going to get closer to your goal. For somebody like you, who's trying to gain muscle mass, but also do extreme amounts of endurance, you're going to have to have fuel, but you're also going to have to have fuel at certain times of the day at the proper times of the day, because Mm -hmm. if you are creating gut distress or creating like a lethargic experience through eating too much, then you're going to lose out on awesome training. So for somebody like me, I typically have a light breakfast. I have, um, I'll have like coffee, like a, my friend's company is strong coffee. Uh, I'll do a coffee with a bunch of honey in it. And then I'll have one of these scoops. I'll start training and then I'll have a massive breakfast. I'll typically have a mat, um, a mass gainer and a huge breakfast afterwards. And then you can have this dip and drop off and have a total lethargic experience because your body is absorbing all of this energy it's coming off this high, your hormones are going like this. And then all of a sudden you come back out and you're now in homeostasis, your body's okay. Again, your core temperatures evened out, blah, 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 blah. You're going to want to also start to hydrate, boom, muscle recovery, this again. Oh, yep. yep. And then all of a sudden I go, I have a snack and then we're going to go into, I have a couple snacks in between. Then we're going to go back into training again. You want to be, you don't want to have a ton of stuff in your guts. You don't want to have, like, you want to be fully recovered from your workout, your meal, back to training again, then all of a sudden you want to backload everything, huge amount of carbohydrates, huge amount of protein, blah, 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 boom. Something like this product, the reason why I've been using it for such a long time, and I've used other products, like there's tons of amino acid companies. This is my best version of it. This is my electrolyte blend custom made by me. Not saying it's the, it's going to cure all your problems. Amino acids are great across the board. Um, I just think that you or anybody who's listening to this, I think a race or a PR is your goal and a training is you're going to be your stimulus and the opportunity of recovery is food and sleep. And I think on the other side of the fence is like all these dreams of like infrared sauna light, perfect, you know, therapy, boots, IV therapy, biohacking. In reality, the caveman only had this hand and the, you know, the futuristic man has this hand. Cavemen were way more muscular and way stronger and had better endurance than the dudes who are slapping on their keyboards on this side, writing all these articles about you, how you can biohack. Um, Not to knock that industry, but I'll give you the reality. There's only a few things you can do to become a champion for your personal self. And it sticks to this right hand. Yeah. It's right there in front of you. Like the nutrition part of it is huge. Like you have to take it serious. You can't, can't, can't skip it. Um, Well, cool, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate the inspirational words, the analogies were fire, absolute fire this this time. Um, keep us posted on what's going on in the builder stuff. I'll be plugging OCR stars hard. Um, and also, if I break that high rocks record, will you, will you come back? I will come back. All right. Since you're the first person to interview me, this is not a guarantee of what the event is, but I'll give you guys event two. Ooh. So I kept everything a secret last year, but I want to give people understanding of what we're looking towards this year. Now that gyms are open again, hopefully uh, the variant doesn't stop this. I do want to show people the capacity of strength and more of a like a an absolute test. So what we're going to probably do is we're going to do a running clock. Um, we're going to have 
zero to seven minutes is going to be a one rep max deadlift or one to three rep max deadlift. Um, then you're going to have a, a three minute break. And then you're going to have from 10 minutes to 17 minutes, you're going to find a one rep max pull up or chin up or, you know, one to five rep max weighted, not weighted, not, yeah, okay. weighted. And we're going to make sure there's strict rules on this. Like we don't want to see these crazy kips. And then last but not least is going to be on the 20th minute. You're going to start a double overhand max hold test. So that's going to be called the grip gauntlet. And we're going to trust like, because you have to flip a tire. A lot of people can't flip the tire on the Spartan race. So I want to see that pull capacity. Then I want to see that ultimate like her hoist pull capacity. And then I want to see how long you can hold on to it. So now this is not a guarantee that this is actually going to happen because we have to continue to watch what's really going on in the world and the current yeah. circumstances. But I'm aiming towards it. I want you guys to train your absolute hardest and I want to prevent the present the best event possible. So train hard guys. I wish you the best of luck. Um, I'm very appreciative for you to have me on and uh, guys kick some ass. We're going to have a great season. Sweet man. All right. See you soon. See you brother. Thank you again for having me. Thanks to you, dude. Appreciate the time. See ya.